don't um, build a life that you feel like you have to escape because most of the vices and sins are us trying to escape something. Mm-hmm. Build a life that you cannot wait to wake up and experience. Your pain has a purpose. Your pain is a compass to your destiny. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Faith-Based Storyteller Show, where we sharpen and encourage one another in Christ. I'm your host, Michaela Robertson, and thank you so much for joining me for another day, another week, and another Testimony Tuesday, where we are diving into an amazing story from another faith-based storyteller. Now, last week uh, in the solo episode, the episode was uh, called Gratitude and Remembrance. And I talked to you guys about how we increase our faith by being grateful and finding things to be grateful for every day and remembering what God has done in our lives. And that's how we're not only going to increase our faith, but use our faith to fuel our gifts, right? To really obey and operate in the gifts that God is doing in our lives. So today's storyteller does exactly that. He does exactly that. And when I had this interview, I knew that he was going to be the next episode up because not only is this man a powerful man of God, but he has an amazing story where he, where the Lord allowed him to take pain and turn it into purpose. And now he is going around the world, speaking to those who need encouragement and operating in their gifts. And so today's guest is DeAndre J. Lacey. Let me read his bio for you. After spending years of his life battling depression, anxiety, and low self-esteem, DeAndre found peace, hope, and his true identity in his relationship with Jesus Christ. His mission in life is to share wisdom in various forms of media, to educate, inspire, and empower people to live and operate in their purpose. Now, DeAndre is fire, and I cannot wait for you to hear our conversation. So without further ado, here is DeAndre J. Lacey. Welcome to the show, DeAndre. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be a part. I'm super excited to have you. I cannot wait to dive into your story and how you're helping people really go from pain to purpose. But before I start that, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, tell the people who you are and what God has gifted you to do. Well, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time zone you're in. My name is DeAndre J. Lacey. And at one point in my life, I used to go to sleep and I used to pray to God to not allow me to wake up because at that moment in my life, I saw no hope for myself. I saw no purpose for myself. All I saw was pain and I didn't see any point of it all, but I thank God for the no's. Sometimes we got to be grateful for the unanswered prayers or the prayers that he answers, not in the way that we want. And um, through the help of family, through support, through a a geographical move and a move of God uh, that changed, I began to have purpose. I began to have hope and and see what I wanted to live for. Fast forward, I, I wrote a book in October of 2020 called Out of the Ashes, Finding the Purpose in Your Pain. And now I speak and I use my gift to help others do the same. So if it's somebody out there that, you know, you may be going through a difficult time and you feel like you don't even want to live anymore, I was there and and God changed my life. So I'm grateful for that. Amen. I'm grateful for that as well. I'm grateful that you are here and that he gave you that no, because I feel like you are about to bless us with this conversation. So let's take it back, right? You mentioned how you used to go to sleep every night asking that God would not wake you up. 
but I know that that didn't initially start that way. Something happened in your life or a, a series of circumstances happened in your life that led up to that mindset. So take me back first to baby DeAndre. Take me back to young DeAndre when God first gifted you and tell me who DeAndre originally was before life decided to take off. Well, it's funny because when I was younger, I, like I do not dance now, but I was like the life of the party. I was this kid, like if it was a wedding or anything like that, I was on the dance floor dancing. Um, people tell me stories. I wish we had camera phones or video um, more easily accessible at the time that when we, if we were late to church and people were leading the song specifically, like my uncle had this song he would lead. I would just run down the aisle, jump on stage, start singing with him. But at a certain point in my life, I was very, uh, I had dealt with extreme social anxiety. I was scared to talk to people. I couldn't get through an Easter speech. I would have nervous laughter, like speaking, like I could not do it in front of people for whatever reason. And the critical moment of my life was sixth grade, 11 years old, waking up to the sound of my father attacking my mom and witnessing her almost lose her life. At the time, I didn't know it, but my dad was suffering from bipolar, psychosis, and schizophrenia, and he had a manic episode, and he was physically assaulting my mom. And I went in the room, and I said, stop, Dad, please stop. And he just said, go back to your room. I went to grab a house phone. People don't even know what that is. I'm telling my age. But unfortunately, (laughs) the battery was knocked out. So I'm laying in my bed. I'm praying. I'm crying. I'm hearing my mom fight for her life. I'm hearing her scream. And I'm sitting there, I'm 11 years old, I'm scared, I don't know what to do, the phone doesn't work. And something just said, either you're going to stay here and listen to your mom die, you got to do something, man. So I run out my door. Luckily, my grandparents live two houses down. Luckily, a neighbor that lived right next door, it was his mother's house, and he was a classmate of my grandfather. So I run down, I knock on the door, I mean, my heart is beating out of my chest. My grandmother, my nana opens the door, I didn't know, my grandfather ran around the back. Him and the neighbor de-escalated the situation. I saw my grandfather, my dad leave in handcuffs. And that from that moment on for several years, I suffered from PTSD. I never went to therapy. Mm. I couldn't sleep but three or four hours at a time. Went through different things growing up, dealing with being the child of a parent who has a mental disorder. And dealt the, the everyday life of living with a parent, because not long after that, we moved back in the house. We never really, my parents went to therapy. I didn't learn that till later, but no one really asked me what I thought was all comfortable. We mm-hmm. just, my mom healed up. My dad didn't have to go to jail. We moved back in the house and I really wasn't ready for that. And I suffered a lot during those few years until I eventually moved. But yeah, that was that critical moment that, that really began to shift things in a negative way for me. Interesting. I'm curious when it came to, because I feel like when a lot of people struggle with childhood abuse or abuse in the home or toxicity surrounded you, um, a lot of people don't understand how it impacts the children. So they do the work for the adults, but they don't do the work for the kids. And I'm curious when it came to struggling with PTSD and struggling with the abuse in the home, how did you navigate the day-to-day? Like, how did you navigate going to school and still being a student? How did you navigate faith at such a young age? I got so many stories. I hope we have enough time. So one answer to your question, the day-to-day, that moment was crazy. And 
I suffered with vivid dreams of that night for several years. It took a while for them to go away where I really felt like I was in the moment again. So that was something I had to deal with for a few years after that. But as far as school, I'm an educator now, and that's why I'm big on bullying. I'm big on the safe place that school can be because for me, I played sports. I did activities. I look forward to school. Like I was miserable during the summer because I had to stay there in that environment where I didn't feel safe. But school is like, wow, eight hours a day. I know what's going to happen. I can relax my guard because ever since that night, I feel like I had to protect myself. I felt like I, I couldn't go to sleep. I would just stay up till my body failed me because what if it happens again? Are they arguing? Or are they just talking like, you know, all these thoughts. So I was just trying to survive each day. Anything that could take my mind off of it, school, getting out, having a late game, um, pretending like I fell asleep at my grandparents' house so mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to go back home. Anything to escape that environment where I didn't feel safe. So it was I was just in survival mode. So it, it, it took me getting out of that environment to see how poor, poorly I was suffering mentally. But it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you don't have a safe environment, you can't think about dress and attire, confidence. You're trying to survive. So that's what's paramount. That's what's the most important thing to you at the time. So it was just survival mode every day. And through that situation around ninth grade, I had my first, you know, what I call big boy moment with my faith because once I got over the actual event, I still was in that survival mode. But what was tough with my dad's memories was the day-to-day. For example, I was in sports and football and my mom would work. It got to a point where my dad just walked off his job. He lost his benefits. I think they kind of took advantage of his, his mental state and he signed some things and he lost his benefits and different things. So my mom was just working. And so we were counting on my dad to get me to practices and stuff like that. For whatever reason, like in football, summer is big, two days, he wouldn't take me to practice. So then my mom set up with a church member to take me. And every time they would come by, he would say something to him and I let him take me. So I began to say I hated my dad because it was just these little things that I felt like he was just intentionally, whether it was the mental disorder, whether it was a spiritual issue, whatever it was, like it'd be like put posters on the wall with tape. Well, don't do that because it ripped the paint. So then I put them up with tax. Well, don't do that because it's holes in the wall. And these posters were a Christian magazine the teacher had given me. And it was something that just gave me hope. And I just felt like it doesn't matter what I do. You just have it against me. So on top of the fact that what happened between you and my mom. So I just, at one point I told myself I hated my dad and I would walk by him in the house. I will only speak to him when necessary. And it just got really bad to where it's like even the few things that give me joy, I feel like you're trying to take it from me. So I remember getting to this point where I finally just said, I used to think about running away, but I was too smart to actually do it because I'm like, okay, if I run away and I do this, it's going to be the result. If I go to a family member's house, I could get them in trouble. I had this whole process of thinking through it and I knew it. it's not going to end well, so I'm not going to do it. But I had the thought. But I finally got to this point where I said, you know what, God, if you're not going to take me out of it, please just give me the strength to be in this situation. Just help me, like something along those lines. And I kid you not, two or three weeks, not a, I don't remember exactly, but not a significantly long time after praying that prayer. One day, my uncle and aunt are in town. I see them and my parents go off and go have lunch for a few hours. They come back. My mom comes in the room and says, like, pack your bag. You're going with your uncle. But it was something different about it. She said it. It was normal for me to go with different people in my family for the summer or weeks at a time. 
but something told me this was different. I took everything I had with me. They, t- they took me to a McDonald's in the city and they said, DeAndre, do you realize what we're doing? You're moving with us. Like, are you okay with that? I was like, yes, like get me out of here, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was very hard. To this day, I think my mom somewhat regrets doing that. She sees the benefit of it, but um, it was that was my big moment with God because it was like, wow, God, like I really gave this situation to you and you actually gave me what I wanted and needed. And that was like a real turning point in my relationship with God where he became real to me on an individual level. Amen. Amen. Within that move, right, how did situations change? What changed for DeAndre outside of just the environment? Mentally, what changed? Well, mentally, I realized I had a lot of work to do because Mm -hmm. I was so inundated with the, I didn't realize I was depressed because we had this thing called MySpace. I keep making myself old. I was, I put, it was there when I was there too. So it's okay. <laughs> and I put this post on there that said surrounded by people, but feel alone. And then there were people in the town. It was a small town. So everybody knew everybody. So people would talk my family. A lot of my family, I moved out of town recently, but they would like message my family, let them know, Hey, you know, I see the under at school. He's kind of to himself or he's this way. Like, is he okay? And um, so then that post, my aunt started having conversations with the family. Like, we think something's going on with the other. Like, we need to get him out of here. We need to get him help. Like, is something going on? And with hers urging and other people starting to see it, and my uncle said he would have dreams about me and he couldn't sleep. Eventually, my uncle, the, the event when my parents happened in sixth grade, the summer of my ninth grade, when my dad was doing all these things, not taking me to football practices and all that, they finally just said, we need to get him out of there. And my, I end up living with my uncle. So, Yes, the environment changed, but it created an environment where I could step back and evaluate myself as a person. I wasn't in survival mode. I knew that I didn't have to protect myself in that way. I still would think about my mom and worry, but not the level I was in the environment. So I could say, dang, man, you're depressed. Dang, I see what people are saying and working on confidence, working on just speaking to people. Like I really had to build myself up, but I had the right environment. I had support. Um, I had cousins that I was living with that were within my age range and the different experiences I was afforded in that environment allowed me to begin to build my confidence. So just having a safe place to do the mental work, you can't do the mental work really in a place that you're constantly in fear and and anxiety. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now tell me where the shift took place because here you are today, confident, bold on stages after being terrified to speak on stages talking to young people going to school speaking all over the country like where did that shift take place like what changed from where you were praying for God not to wake you up to where you are now and every day is a blessing the the next pivotal moment was I want to say this was like 2009 Um, unfortunately rest in peace to Mike MC Mike Wayne. Uh, it was a guy I met at the new church that I went to with my family in, in Houston. Uh, him and my cousin started doing Christian rap music. And I remember this one particular time they were at a performance at a church and I was with them and they were like, man, come on stage with us. This was, mind you, when I'm still dealing with all these type of issues, I'm not coming. I'm like, I'm not getting up there with y'all. Y'all are out of y'all's minds. Mm-hmm. No, like all throughout the night before it was their turn, like, come on, man, it'll be fun. Just stay in the background. You ain't got to say nothing. Somehow, I don't know how they convinced me to go up there with them. 
and it was some issue with the mics where they were trying to adjust the sound or something. We were just standing there. I just began talking and filling in the time. I don't remember exactly what I was talk talking about, but that moment was powerful. It gave me confidence. I began performing with them. Then I began doing verses. And at that time, I thought that was my gift. Like, I'm going to make this music. And that's one of the biggest mistakes we make spiritually. We confuse the manifestation of the gift with the gift. At the time, I thought, oh, my gift is rapping. No, my gift is communicating. It's just this is the platform I was given in this season. And some people miss out on their purpose because they lose a certain platform or medium for their gift, and they think they lost the gift. That was just one way to express it. But at that season of my life, that built my confidence because now I'm, I'm performing on stage in front of people my age and, you know, talking about the gospel, using my gift for God and seeing the positive feedback, and it was building me up. And that began, that planted a seed in me that eventually, you know, led me accepting my call to ministry, writing a book. But, you know, even though he's going and see Mike Wayne encourage my cousin who encouraged me and they both together, um, you know, led me to doing that. And unfortunately, just uh, two, about two weeks ago, we had to bury him. He, he passed away. He was just 31. Mm. But um, I will always remember him for that, for the role he played in helping me find my purpose. I'm so sorry for your loss. And I praise the Lord that he was in your life at the time that he was. Um, you talk about your gift, right? You talk about how some people confuse the manifestation of the gift with the actual gift. When did you know, or when did you first learn that your gift was communication? This is what I always tell people. Until you find your purpose, your purpose is to find it. And I believe my purpose is to help people find their purpose. I literally have put, I've put condensed my, the purpose of my life into one sentence. And it's something that I want to help everyone do. And my purpose, my vision is to in, empower, inspire, and educate people to operate in their God-given purpose. And, and my mission to do that is to share wisdom on various forms of media, podcasts, sermons, anything that helps people do that. So I'm living in my purpose doing this with you. I discovered that a few years ago, as far as being able to articulate it that way, but I always knew it. I always felt different. Like my mind is just now catching up to my body and the way I think and communicate and approach the world that it's normal for someone my age to think this way, but I've always been this way but it's not normal for someone at 11 or 10. So I've never felt in place. And then I'm thinking about, is this uh, lyric that Nipsey Hussle has where he says, no, he a genius, he just can't claim it because they left him no platforms to explain it. I didn't have a lot of platforms to express this gift. So I'm looking at kids that could sing, that could praise them. They were gifted athletes and they're excelling. And I'm, yeah, I make good grades, but I don't have a gift. I'm not really like special, but once I started preaching, then a lot of Christians get boxed into the walls of the church. And I'm not against using our gift to spread the gospel. I'm not against, you know, any of the functions of the church. But sometimes we get stuck inside and our purpose is to be a light. We need Christian authors, Christian lawyers, Christian mm -hmm. in every industry. Mm -hmm. And we think everyone that can communicate, they're supposed to be a preacher. No, that's a calling. And even if you are a preacher, there's more than one way to use that gift. And so just recently in the last, I would say three years, 
it was where I could communicate it on this level and see it in the grander scheme of the bigger picture. I'm not just limited to preaching in a church. I'm not just limited to rapping. And just because I did that in one season, now I take those songs and do them in spoken word because I don't have the access and time to make songs like I did at the time. But you can, just because you used it this way in one season, it's an evolving thing, but your gift can be expressed different ways. And so I help people by telling them quickly, the way you can discover your purpose is one, to identify your values, identify your gift, which is the thing you do better than most people with the least amount of effort, and then find a problem, product or service that you can either, a problem you can solve, a product or service you can offer that uses your gift without violating your value. That's where you get to the whole someone sold their soul or sell out. I don't look at it as it's always going to be a ritual or this spooky stuff and Illuminati. If you value your relationship with God and this job is a six-figure job, but it constantly puts you away from your relationship with God, you sold your soul. You might not have went to some party. You know, there we are about these celebrity parties. It might not be like that. And I'm not saying that those don't take place. I don't know. But we think of it as some spooky thing or some contract or some it's signed with blood ink. No, if you know this is your value and you're constantly, constantly violating it, you're selling your soul. So mm -hmm. how do I use my gift to solve a problem, offer a a solution or provide a service without violating my value that's your purpose that's so good okay I want to shift gears because I watched a recent video of yours where you talked about the power of your gift will make room for you now we know that that is a scripture in the bible um, but I love how you spun this because we all know that when we operate in our gifts it will place us in rooms and make room for new opportunities but you kind of switched it and turned it up on his head and you said but how are you making room for your gifts and so I want you to speak to that. And I want to know how you made room for your gifts. I know it started within rapping, but you are now creating stages for yourself. You're creating opportunities for yourself. So how are you going out and making room for the gifts that God has given you? Um, one, just while it's on my mind, before I forget this, I just want to commend you on your gift of listening. It is a skill, but I also look at it as a gift. You're really listening to me and allowing me to express myself and asking very thought-provoking and pivotal questions at the right time. And that's going to create a space where people want to come to this platform with you. Because a lot of podcasts I see, they get great interviews and then they interrupt the person or, you know, it's like they want to talk more than the person. And it's like this person's on the verge of sharing something they might never share before and they interrupt their thought pattern. I'm feeling like I'm talking too much, but uh, you're doing a great job of listening. But I know that video you're talking about, we always talk about your gift will make room for you, but are you making room for your gift? Us connecting is because I've been operating in my gift and just looking for opportunities. And my cousin, Michael, shout out to Michael Lacey, winning the wealth podcast. He would be a good person to interview. Uh, he talks about finances, faith, love, and money from a you know Christian perspective. He invited me to this group with other Christian podcasters, and that's uh, one way that I began meeting people and just putting myself out there saying, hey, you got a podcast? I'll pull up. I'll interview. And I have a speaking engagement this Tuesday because I found this guy's podcast, never met the guy before, just scourging YouTube, finding podcasts. So you have to wake up every day. We, we're waiting to start because we think we need this, we need that. But the the miracle 
if you look in the Bible, I heard a preacher say one time, the miracle is not what they took from you. The miracle is not in what you lost. The miracle is what you have left. Come here, woman, with just a little bit of oil and meal left. She going to make her cake and close up and die. Your miracle is in what you have left. Come here, crippled person who is waiting on trying to get into the troubled water. They never can. Pick up your mat. Your miracle is in literally where you are and what you have in your hand. Come here, Moses. You have all these excuses for why I can't use you. Mm -hmm. What's in your hand? God is always saying what is in your hand because I get the glory by blessing what is broken. The miracle of the 5,000, he took what didn't seem significant. He put it through a process of brokenness. Mm -hmm. He blessed it and he magnified it. And that's symbolic to what he does in our lives. What is in your hand? We're always looking at what we don't have, the miracles and what you have left. So my brother bought me this mic and I didn't even ask him to buy it, but he just, the momentum of seeing me use what I had, he was like, he's serious about this. It's kind of like one time I got stuck out of my car and I realized that most people aren't going to help you if you just stand there. But if you start trying to push it or you have the hood open and you get behind the car and start pushing, people will start pushing with you. So are you pushing the car or are you just sitting on the side of the road complaining that the car is not installed, you know? So that's how I look at it. Hey there, Storyteller. I just want to interrupt this episode really quick to let you know that Faith Audio Network is now open. Faith Audio Network is our community for storytellers like you, storytellers who listen to podcasts like this, storytellers who know they have a voice and they know that God has given them a powerful gift to be able to go out and speak for him, to give him glory. So if you know that you are interested in joining a community that is going to hold you accountable, that is going to pray with you, that is going to intercede on your behalf, and that's going to sharpen your faith, this is the community for you. To learn more and to register, please visit faithaudionetwork.com. That's faithaudionetwork.com. That's so good. And I, I feel like this conversation came to be because I made room for my gifts and I wasn't expecting all of the room that was made for other people to come and share their stories, to share their testimonies. I was just thinking, you know, let me get some guests on here because I'm tired of hearing myself. Um, but yeah, when I put that call out in the face, the Facebook group, the Christian Podcasters Facebook group, and you replied, I'm like, oh, this conversation's about to be fire. I'm excited for this. We don't know each other. We've been on this call for a good 26 minutes. That's all we know about each other, but just hearing what the Lord is doing in your life. And I appreciate you for the compliment. It is truly a gift of mine to be able to just I love storytelling. I love listening to other stories. But the fact that you're here and I get to hear your story, that blesses me. So I made room for you to use your gift. But in the process, me making room for other people to use their gifts allowed me to use my gift and be blessed. And I'm so grateful. So grateful. Yes. And like you said, I heard you say you didn't expect it and you got more than you even expected. Mm -hmm. You're one connection away. Like, a speaking engagement that I, the first speaking engagement of last year that I had was because my mom invited me to this event and a lady wanted me to speak and I knew going in it was a small the, based on the venue and everything I knew it wouldn't be a lot of people but I was doing it out of respect to her and my mom and I'm always just believing that you never know you're who you're gonna meet how you don't know you know I know God's gonna move I don't know how so yeah. a lady I met at that event worked at a school in Louisiana, never went to the, never actually been to that area before. I've been to the area before, but I didn't know anybody there in relation to her or anything. She saw me speak and said, I'm going to bring you to my school one day. 
Now, this didn't happen for six months. Mm. And that's why when I preach, I do my best to give people the context of the timeline. We hear the story of David. Oh, he got anointed. Then he goes slave to John. No, it was a time period between Mm -hmm. when he was shown who he was going to be and when he had to go back to where he was and wait on that. And a lot of times we don't contextualize these stories. So we don't see some of these people waited years on their miracle. Some of these people waited 10, 13, 15, you know, depending on the story, a significant amount of time. And, you know, you saying Bolt had this quote where he says, I'll train four years to run for nine seconds. We get Mm -hmm. so frustrated when we don't know, we're probably just at the beginning. And so that one connection six months later, I'm in Louisiana. And that momentum ended up allowing me to share a stage with shout out to George White, the speaker. He's really big on social media. My cousin met him, put in a word for me. I opened up for him. And last year just was a real big year for me, momentum wise, leading to this point. And I'm in talks with a university right now to get my first major speaking gig where I'm actually getting paid significantly more than I've ever been paid. And it's just starting. You ha- you're never going to get to where you want to be if you never start. Do not despise humble beginnings you got to just put yourself out there because even if okay yeah i'm gonna do this podcast it might not be the biggest right now or this or that but you just don't know how that connection is going to turn what that's going to mean it might not be views this time it might be money this time we don't know how god's going to bless us but the blessings come in many forms but they come from our obedience so we just got to act in faith so absolutely absolutely i'm curious have you we talked about miracles and you said miracles is what's in your hand. Have you experienced your miracle or are you still in that growing process, that timeline? Have you made it to where you want to be quite yet? I haven't made it to where I want to be, but number one, to just be alive and more of my thoughts are positive towards the future. I feel like my life has meaning at the, I'm going back. Sometimes you got to go back. And this is an opportunity for me to really go back into that 11 year old, 12 year old, 13 year old me worrying about this point of my life where I would be and just so concerned, so discouraged, wanting to give up. So just the fact that I made it out of that, because when you're in those situations at the time, they're the, now you laugh at them. Now you you tell your story and you have your testimony. Mm-hmm. But in that situation, that's big. That's huge for you. It's everything. Is insurmountable, mm-hmm. but to just have survived my worst days, that's great. But then actually being paid anything to do this, to communicate, to speak, because yeah. my ultimate goal would be to do this full time to where I can leave my job and have more freedom and how I operate. So the fact that I have this deal on the table that should be happening, the fact that I've been paid, the fact that people who I don't know, because a lot of time I come from, I'm a third generation speaker. I'm a preacher. I'm a PK. So throughout my life, people were saying, you're going to preach one day, but it's like, yeah, you're just saying that because my uncle preached, my dad preached, my aunt, my grandmother, mm-hmm. my grandfather. But when people that you don't know that don't really have a motive to lie, when they affirm it, and, and that's something that we don't talk about enough as believers, we shouldn't let the opinions of others run us and rule us. But because something T.D. Jake said one time, I've never forgotten this sermon, it's hard to identify your gifts because they've always been a part of you, so they're normal to you. So it doesn't seem like a gift. It takes someone outside of yourself to tell you, no, when you share it, when you speak, when I hear you on your podcast, when I take you taste your food, I don't, this is, this is not normal, but you've done it your whole life. 
Yeah. Like you don't, t- God doesn't teach a bird how to fly. It inevitably knows how to do it. So everything you need to get started is in you and everything you need along the way is only going to come through your obedience. But your gift is so hard to discover because unless we have a mirror, I can't see myself. I only can see myself because I'm looking in that camera. So mm-hmm. we don't realize what we have is special because it's been so a part of us. That's why I tell people before you've gone through trauma, you're your purest as a child. That's why the Bible says train up a child. We got to do a better job of stepping back, observing what people naturally gravitate towards and guiding them down the path to to maximize their gifts. A lot of times we just tell everybody to be a doctor, everybody to be a lawyer, everybody to do this. And that's why people struggle because they're operating outside their gift. And I love Atomic Habits. It says work hard at what comes easy. Like this is totally unscripted yep. and I could do this for three hours straight because this yep. is just what I do, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, DeAndre, you were obedient and you wrote a book out of the ashes. Talk to us about the book. Talk to us about the process that led you from the initial idea to actually the word that God gave you becoming flesh and tangible in your hands so where you can read it and give it away. So going really quick, going all the way back, I mm-hmm. started writing poetry, eight, nine, ten. I would do this, you know, here and there. That was a seed. Then, obviously, I I was writing music, and then in high school, at one point, I would send out daily devotional text messages. I would just copy the scripture, but I was planting a seed. So then, now we get to 2019, 2018 ish. I think like 2019. I'm sending out text messages every day. First, it was just family. It was just like, it actually started with just single women in my family. I just wanted to cover them as a male and just send them some, you know, inspirational Bible devotional type of thing. Then I just slowly started adding people. It got to a point where I was texting 120 plus people a day to where I had to get an app because just sending them like one by one like that was becoming overwhelming. And then I was faithful with her for maybe close to a year. Every morning I'm, I'm sending that message and people start saying, man, you should write a devotional. You should do this. But I was like, nah, if I write a book, not I'm not knocking devotional. But like my first book has to be like more than that. Like I want to challenge myself. And mm-hmm. I remember during COVID at my former church, we were all adjusting when it first happened. We didn't know what it was. Everybody was scared and we were having virtual services. So we trying to change how we did our service. We started interviewing people as a pre-show. And there's a lady, shout out to Rachel B. Foy. She's a, she wrote a book, I Quit, The How-To Guide to Letting Go of Everything That's Holding You Back. Well, we interviewed her. She's from Palestine. So that inspired me. And I got to sit like in your chair and be the interviewer. And once she affirmed that, wow, you're a great listener. You ask good questions. Everybody doesn't ha- have that ability. So that compliment I gave you is genuine because I watched so many podcasts where they like, it's a time to come in. It's a time like no win, no win yeah. to add and no win to step back. And most people don't. They just want to hear themselves talk. But why are you going to invite this great guest and not let them talk? So, But when I saw a person from where I'm from, knew my family, they wrote a book. That was the last step I needed. And shout out to my aunt Katrina. I'm actually at her house right now recording. She was talking to the pastor and I didn't want to interrupt them. I'm like, well, I'll just talk to her later. And she literally grabbed my hand and brought me over there and politely interrupted their conversation so I could talk. I was that close to where I was just going to go home. And who knows what would have happened, but she just grabbed my arm. She really played a major role. So we had this conversation. It spills out into the parking lot. You know how 
you know, black people do. We migrate. Mm-hmm. We don't just leave. We start mm-hmm. talking here. Then we open the car door. We mm-hmm. leave the door open and we put the window down. You know, it was one of those situations. And she was like, I have two book coaches, but the one I went with, you know, I was writing about a tough situation in my life and she pulled it out of me. She sent it back. She said, no, you got to go deeper. I'm like, I don't even need to see the other one. No, no shade to her. That's the one I want. And yeah. I signed a contract with shout out to Valerie McDowell, the uh, power to excel, the book coach. Um, and she and I signed the contract the end of April and book came out in October accidentally because I was just promoting it but I didn't know how at the time to pot to like lock it on Amazon but people start ordering and I said well I'm not gonna stop it I'm gonna just let it come out and so um meeting her Rachel before led me to meet my book coach and then the book coach was that accountability I needed I had the COVID I was working virtually and I wrote the book throughout the summer and it came out in October of 2020. Amen. Praise God. I love accidental purpose moments. Love them. This podcast started on accident. Thought I was going to do a YouTube channel, went to interview someone, all the cameras died, all I had was audio. Wow. Accidentally launched a podcast. Like, I love when God uses what we think is an accident, what was really intentional for him to get his word out, but also to use us for his glory. I want to ask a few questions because when it comes to writing a book, I'm in the process of writing a book. I also grew up in a toxic childhood abuse household. I lost my father to suicide in 2020. Uh, but I'm learning that as I write, some of the emotions that cathartic. you went through in the moments, they start coming out. Ooh, and things yeah. you thought you healed from, you realize, oh, wait, that's that's still in there. Walk me through the book writing process and some of the things that came up for you and how you were able to overcome that. Man. The Holy Spirit is real, y'all. This is the first time, other than a picture, that I've seen this woman or conversed with her. And this whole interview has been just in sync. Exactly what you said is what I went through. Any, And I'm helping my aunt write her book right now. Um, you just giving her guidance. I wanted to be transparent because I remember as a Christian struggling with different, the real hard hitters like sex, abuse. Mm-hmm. And people kind of dance around the issue because most leaders or preachers are uncomfortable themselves talking about it. I'm like, and so sometimes I would leave a place more confused because they would they would broach the topic, but they wouldn't go in depth. So like, mm-hmm. I don't really have the tangible tools I need for my deliverance. You kind of hit on it, and then you kind of left me hanging. I'm I'm even more messed up. So I said, if I'm gonna write a book, I'm gonna put my whole business out there. I'm gonna tell everything because. I want to help that person that's me where I was avoid some of the pitfalls because now they have someone giving them insight, you know, giving them comfort, just letting them know they're not alone. But yes, when you talk about um, reliving it because you think, yeah, I'm going to write a book, you know, I overcame that, you know, tell Mm -hmm. my testimony. We overcome by the telling of our testimony. It's levels to healing. It's levels to this. So it's one thing to get to where you can talk about it or, just live your life but to write it because mm-hmm. that's why writing is so powerful and i'm big on writing because you have to think the thought um kinesthetically you have to move your body you have to see the word it's so many things that are happening at once mm-hmm. and so when i began writing about it one i was so afraid to tell because my mother's was was attacked by my dad and they're still together and everything but i i couldn't tell the story of my life without talking about that event but I didn't want to paint my dad to just be this horrible person 
Mm. And I didn't want my mom uncomfortable with what I was talking about. So for the longest, that was bothering me. But I finally just talked to my mom. She was more than cool with it, supportive, no problem. But in my mind for months, I'm letting that gnaw at me. When I could have just talked to her the first time that thought came. And yeah. then um, talking about just having low self-esteem and just putting my vulnerabilities. Obviously, if you knew me at the time, you already knew that. But it's different where it's like in a book, it's in print. You can, you know, I felt so vulnerable putting all the things I struggle with. But I'm like, I'm doing this for the person that felt feels like this. Like, it's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. But it was moments where we almost got done. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to release this. It's moments now after releasing it, after going to places, and speaking and a kid coming to me saying I dealt with suicide like having these moments where you know you did the right thing mm-hmm. is still uncomfortable but that's how I know I'm doing the right thing I'm, I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone and I'm seeing the impact it's having on people but to me that means you're going down the right path if you just could write it and you felt nothing then you probably didn't go deep enough so good so good DeAndre where can people find you one I have a website www.djlinspires.com I'm on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram as DJL Inspires um, I'm working on getting my Facebook page back up but and also have a YouTube channel DJL Inspires and hopefully one day I will start a podcast as well that's something I want to do in the future mm-hmm. but you can find me in all of those places I love it. Now, DeAndre, you are here on the Faith-Based Storyteller Show. Before I let you go, we got to do our rapid story round. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a series of six questions. And I just want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? All right, let's do it. All right. So here on the Faith-Based Storyteller Show, our motto is, is iron sharpens iron, one story sharpens another. How are you sharpening the people in your life? I am a pusher. I am the type of person that people be like, Oh, I'm going to get DeAndre to help me. And people be like, look, if you're not for real, don't get DeAndre to help you. Because mm-hmm. I take it serious. If you say I want to lose weight, I'm going to really call you. Mm-hmm. If you say you're going to work out in the gym, I will pull up at four and five and like, I'm serious. So it's a, I'm not going to even say it's a curse, but it's a blessing and a burden because yeah. I can sense where people are spiritually by how they interact with me. Because based on how I am, I know if they're in a certain space, they avoid me a little more. They deal with me differently because I'm intense. And I str- I st- I'm i going to be real and say I still struggle with that. It's, you're never, it's no moment where you evolve. Sometimes it's a lonely thing because the same thing that's a gift that's prophetic and affirming and, and is accountability to people is the same thing where people are not in the mood for that, they don't want it. Mm-hmm. So... I'm a pusher. Like, if you tell me you have a goal, I'm going to help you put it down on paper. And I'm going to be calling you. So I always tell people, look, go home and think about it. They be like, no, I'm written. Like, no, like, go really think because once you invite me in, I'm taking it serious. And either it's going to push you away or it's going to push you up, but it's going to change something. So. Oh. I'm here for it. And I'm a pusher as well. So when you say, you know, I'm looking to start a podcast one day, just know. I'm going to be in your inbox <laughs> like DeAndre where that podcast at. <laughs> oh, man. Just and know. it's so weird. I'm not used to getting it back. So just it really know. Th- th- this you. ain't our last conversation. <laughs> uh, you just said something you wanted. So now we're going to make Uh-oh. it happen for sure. We're going to make it happen. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to walk through your story method. The story method is S-T-O-R-Y. It is strength, technique, obstacles, relationships, and your why. 
What is one of the greatest strengths that God has given you? One of the greatest strengths God has given me is I'm great at helping other people articulate their feelings. Mm-hmm. Like after having a conversation with people, people be like, man, that's how I felt. I never thought about it that way. I couldn't put into those words. So that would be one of my greatest strengths. I love it. When it comes to your technique, what is one of the things God has gifted you to teach? God, I mean, I could take the easy route and say the word, but I won't do that. I would say teach people to find their purpose and put it into one sentence and create a vision and a mission statement. Believe once you do that, your decisions might not be easy, but they can be simple. Mm, so good. The O in your story method is obstacles, but it's twofold. It's obstacles and overcoming. So what is a recent obstacle that you have overcome? A recent obstacle that I have overcome. Hmm. That's a tough one. A recent obstacle. Let me think. Let me think. Um, I guess I just, me and my wife just got a house. And That's huge. It was completely on faith because at the time we were trying to do a whole family, multi-family thing situation, but the money wasn't, the math wasn't mapping. Mm-hmm. And then we broke off and we're looking separately and the interest rate went up and what they were saying we could afford staying within the budget we wanted. They were showing us either not even brand new homes, way out the budget, not so old homes, still not in the budget or some 1980 homes right where the budget was. I'm like, well, I'll just rent. I ain't doing that. So we started this process in like February, went all the way to like May, was about to give up. And uh, my aunt challenged me in her face. She was like, are you going to believe God? So I said, well, we'll give it one more shot. And she started finding her house, the one I'm in right now. And one day my wife's uncle said, hey, y'all need to get over here. They got a house and it's like 4% interest. I'm like, I honestly almost didn't go. Not that I think, not that he's ever lied to me or I think he's a liar. I'm like, man, I just, I have been shopping for four or five months looking everywhere. I ain't seen nobody and we got good credit. I ain't seen nobody with no 4%, nothing, not even 6%, bro. Like, what are you talking about? But I said, I mean, let's go by. What's the worst that could happen? It really was 4%. And that really was a miracle. I don't know. And they were doing credits and all that. I don't know how we found that, but I know how we found it, it was God. So that, was that really encouraged me on my faith. Hey, man. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. That's huge. I love it. Uh, the R in your story method is relationship. So what does building relationship with God look like in your life? One of the most transformational moments for me is I was a part of this thing called Baptist Student Ministry, and they had this thing called Abide. It was this conference of like 24-hour prayer, but it wasn't, when you hear that, as soon as somebody hears that, they're like, oh, no, I ain't doing 24 <laughs> But the thing about it was you weren't just sitting on your knees, running around like, they had one where they drew the map of Texas with tape, and you put you wrote a prayer and you put it on there. They had some type of tree that you took a prayer off and prayed and you added a prayer. They visualized and made you think about prayer in a different way. They had a phone booth that you would walk in the phone booth, pick up the phone and talk to God through the phone, you Hmm. know? So they made you think about prayer outside the box. And what that showed me was 
the way that you keep God in your day is to include him in everything. Take him with you to the gym. Take him with you in the car. Sometimes I just talk to God. Like, he's my friend. Like, look, God, this is the situation, man. I don't got it, bro. Like, if you don't come mm -hmm. through, man, you know, like literally just like that. Yes, when I'm mm -hmm. in church, I'm like, and we thank you, Lord, Heavenly Father. But not every prayer, like, you know, you know, just how you talk to a person, like really pers uh, personifying God and seeing him as a as a person, even though he's God and just talking to him has made my prayer life easier. And I'm a writer. And there's something with me about when I write to-do list or anything written, I just operate better when I write. And yeah. so writing a journal is big for me. So those are, are big ways. But that conference really opened my mind to what a conversation with God could look like. And that was transformational for me. I love that. Love, like you speak in my language. I love that. I'm trying to figure out how I can do that at my conference. <laughs> Try to figure out how I could do that. But I love that. And I'm also a writer. And I'm learning that in this season of my life, like writing, I'm literally having conversations with God. Like I'll write Michaela and I'll put my question and then I'll write Jesus and my hand will just start going. And then I don't even know what's going. I'm just, it'll just start going. I go back and I'm like, oh, okay so this is the instruction that you want me to do so I love that the Lord is speaking to you not only through journaling and writing but just like increasing your prayer life and of course it goes in alignment with Proverbs 3 acknowledge him in all you do and he'll direct your path so I can't and I want to add a few more things one I have like two or three old journals that every now and then I'll stumble upon them and it either encouraged me or convict me because I've written it down and I challenge everybody to write it down because sometimes you're standing in the midst of answer prayer and mm -hmm. you didn't write it down and you forgot it. And so you're discouraged because you think that God's not answering prayers, but you're not keeping track of the prayers he answered. And then secondly, when you fast or like, I have this thing where when I'm about to preach, I just don't like to eat a lot. And now I'm going to probably start taking it to even when I speak in the secular world, just it's something about when you fast, this conversation, a television show, a joke, any normal thing, like God is just speaking to me through a, a stranger, a situation, a story, anything, because you like heighten your spiritual senses. And like I said, writing that prayer down and coming back on that six months later or coming back and you seeing where he's answered or where you were thinking or how you were thinking and situations you've overcome, it really encourages you to have a, a log of that and a history of what he's done. Because you forget a lot of the prayers and you might, you know, yeah, this house might have an issue here or there. But like, I remember that time when I was praying to God for this. And so it encourages you when you're in the, the next situation where you think you're not going to make it. You have a written record of what he's actually done for you, you know. That's so good. So good. DeAndre, my last question is your why. That's the that's the why in your story method. Why do you believe God is calling you to do what you do? Well, obviously, we're all here for God's glory, but my specific thing is I know there are other people like me, and I just think about, wow, look at where I was able to come through God's transformation, and look what I was able to come in certain situations where I felt like I didn't have support or I could have used more, and I'm thinking, wow, what if my 11-year-old self had me now guiding them, me now encouraging them, me now giving them insight on navigating the future? how much faster would they have would I have gotten to where I am now and so that instead of allowing that to get me down which it does sometimes I'll be real and not sit here and say well you're a speaker now you made it you there's no made it moment you have to continue 
the work to maintain where you are. And so sometimes it's like, dang, man, yeah, I'm doing great. But man, what if I had a knew this at 25 or what if I knew this at 18? But I take that and flip it and say, okay, as long as I can take these stories and give them to somebody else who's 18 and they can do it, that gives me peace about it. You know, I still sometimes might feel some type of way, but it gives me peace that my pain wasn't in vain. Like my pain had a purpose. Amen. DeAndre, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for answering the call that God has placed on your life, for operating in your gift, for allowing your pain to become purpose and not running from it. Like, just thank you so much for doing what God's gifted you to do and for sharing it here on the show. I truly appreciate your time. I appreciate you. I appreciate the platform. And I just want to let everybody know, don't um, build a life that you feel like you have to escape because most of the vices and sins are us trying to escape something. Mm -hmm. Build a life that you cannot wait to wake up and experience. Your pain has a purpose. Your pain is a compass to your destiny. Thank you guys for listening. Alrighty, my loves, I hope that this episode was a blessing to you. If you want to connect with DeAndre, make sure you hit him up on all socials. That's DJL Inspires. He is definitely going out, inspiring the world to work in their purpose, operate in their purpose, and discover their purpose by identifying their values. I'll make sure that all his links are in the description box, whether you're listening on a podcasting app or watching on YouTube. And I really hope that you guys have taken some of the gems from DeAndre speaking, like, Literally, like his story is one of so many when it comes to suffering childhood abuse, but then allowing the Lord to position you in a space where you accidentally operate in a gift that you did not know was your gift and the Lord reveals your purpose to you in order to propel you into the next stage of your life. There's just something so good about God, y'all. There's something so good about God and what he does for us. And so I'm so grateful for DeAndre coming and talking to us and sharing his story here on the Faith-Based Storyteller Show. If this episode resonated with you, please like, comment, subscribe, and share to those who you believe it will bless as well. And if you are looking to be in a community with other faith-based storytellers like DeAndre, make sure you join us in Faith Audio Network. It's free. You might as well come join us. Learn how to operate in your gifts. Learn how to increase your faith. Learn how to use your voice for God's glory. You can visit faithaudionetwork.com for more details. And until next time, my loves, always remember that God loves you and so do I. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye.